Hello and welcome to Journey Through the Scriptures podcast, a podcast where we walk through God's Word together. And today we continue our journey in Acts chapter 3. And this is often called the story of the lame man. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to actually walk you through this story. Instead of reading all of it, I'm going to walk through most of it. So Peter and John are our two main characters in this chapter, and they're going to the temple for a time of prayer. And this is, as you remember from chapter 2, something they did often. The early believers devoted themselves to the teaching of the Word from the apostles. These are two apostles and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so we see Peter and John going to devote themselves to a time of prayer at the temple. Now there's this guy at the temple, and this guy is there, and he cannot walk. He's paralyzed. Uh, Most Bibles will say he's lame, meaning he, he can't walk. And so in this day and age, what you would do with somebody who could not walk, and they therefore they could not have a regular job, what they would do is they would carry you to the temple or to a place where there would be a lot of people, and they would put you there and you would beg for money, and that is how you made money to survive. Now, he had been at this temple for quite some time. Everybody recognized him there. This was a common occurrence, and as you see, as the man is begging for money, he's not really looking specifically at anyone. He's just asking anyone that he sees, can you give me some money? And it's interesting, and and the reason I bring that up is because Peter hears it, and he looks straight at the man and says, what I have is not silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have. And the man looks toward them, which means he wasn't looking at them. He asked them for money, but he's not really looking at them. And then Peter, though, looks straight at him and says, In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And immediately his ankles are strengthened and his legs are strengthened. And he jumps up. And and I love what it says here in verse 8. It says, So he jumped up and started to walk and entered the temple with them. But he's not just entering the temple. He's walking, leaping, and praising God. This man knows that this is an act of God. And I want to make a side note observation. This would have put this man in a very awkward spot because his whole life, the only thing he's done to earn money is is sit there and beg for money. He hasn't developed any work skills because he hasn't been able to. Now that he can walk, he's not going to be able to sit at the temple and beg for money anymore. So this actually, while it heals him physically, it has some financial collateral damage, so to speak. So just an interesting thought, but yet he understands this is a miracle and he is praising God. And as we end this little section in verse 10, it ends with people seeing this guy and they are in awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Now remember, chapter 1 of Acts, where he, where Jesus was telling his disciples and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And they're still in Jerusalem, but here we go. Here's a chance. What's going to happen? Everybody's in awe and amazement at the fact this man has been healed. And in verse 11, we find the man still holding on to Peter and John, and all the people are astonished. There's that word Mark used to love that word. They're astonished and in awe at the physical healing. What Peter's going to do, he goes, yes, this is great, and yes, this is awe-inspiring, but it's not me, and it's not John 
who brought this man in this awe-inspiring miracle. Instead, it's Jesus. And then it's going to give him a chance to talk about the awe-inspiring reality that we all can be spiritually healed. And we'll get to that in a second. But here we go. There's awe and there's astonishment. And we saw in chapter 2 that everybody was filled with awe and astonishment at the movement of the Holy Spirit. Here they're in awe and astonishment over the healing of this man. And, and, and this is very important. They ran towards them because they understood that this man was the man they had seen every day for years. There was no denying this was not some kind of a miracle of conmanship, as you'll sometimes see today, or especially in the 1800s, there's this popular practice of these traveling preachers who would go around and heal people, and they would often heal people that traveled with them, and they weren't really hurt or sick or disabled, so it was all more of a show. Well, the thing with this is, there's no denying the miracle here. This is a work of God, and the reason why we know it's a work of God, these people knew that man. Peter and John did not, but the people there recognized him, and that's not an insignificant observation to make. You can't push this under the rug and go, oh, well, maybe there's some kind of you know, conmanship going on between Peter, John, and this guy. They paid him off to act lame and then pop up. No, these people saw him for years like this. And so they knew this was a miracle. This man is leaping and he's praising God. He's giving God the glory. Now, watch verse 11. The man was holding on to Peter, and all the people have run towards Peter. And in verse 12, when Peter saw this, what did he see? The crowd. He addressed the people. And what does he do? He, first of all, lets him know, yeah, you're amazed this guy has been healed. But he says this, why are you amazed at this? So just imagine being in this crowd, seeing this man you've passed by every morning, and he, he's been begging for money, and now he's leapt up and he's walking. And you don't see stuff like this. There's no modern medicine that could have done this. I mean, this is, and it was sudden, and he wasn't just limping, he was leaping, and that's important that it was an immediate full healing. And Peter asked the question, why are you amazed? And if you were there, you would be thinking, well, duh, I'm amazed because what has happened is outstanding. I mean, this guy couldn't walk, and now he can walk. And that we don't see stuff like this. And you'd think they would have a reason to be amazed, but watch this. Don't miss the wonder of the spiritual healing. Sometimes we are focused on so much on the outside and the outward that we miss the inward. That sometimes we get lost in the thing that has happened, the miracle that has happened, the work of God that has happened, and we get caught up in the details of what has happened to us. Maybe God has done this amazing thing. Maybe it's you needed $200 to pay the bill and $200 came in, and that is an amazing thing, but don't be in awe at the money that came in or don't be in awe at the healing that took place. There's a sense of awe you can have, but more importantly, give God the glory. And now Peter sees this as an opportunity to share the gospel. He understands that the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon him, and he has become a witness. And we'll see this even more in chapter 4. 
that he is going to be a witness in front of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish council of leaders. But right now he has a crowd of people who are temple goers, and he begins to preach the gospel to them. He talks about by faith in his name. He, he, he tells them who healed this man. He goes, watch this, why are you amazed? And why do you stare at us as though we made him walk by our own power or our own godliness? We're not super holy and made him walk. We're not super powerful and made him walk. He says it was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, and this is verse 13, has glorified his servant Jesus. Now he goes to Jesus and he's going to preach the gospel to them, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer released to you. That's Barabbas. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. And we, and here's that word, are witnesses of this. And in verse 16, he says, By faith in the name of Jesus, in his name, and it's his name has made this man strong, whom you see and you know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. This is to be a witness, not to the man walking, but to Jesus. And he points it immediately. So to wrap that up, Peter takes the opportunity to address the crowd. Here was a chance to be a witness of Jesus. He proclaims the gospel, that is, Jesus glorified through death and burial and resurrection. We are all guilty of sin. And he's going to, as he continues to teach this, and, and what he says is we're guilty of killing Jesus. And so what can we do? We're all guilty. Well, he tells us by faith in Jesus, we are healed spiritually. As just as this man was healed physically, we're healed, we're made alive. What does that look like? Well, we have to go to verse 19 to see that. And, and he says very clearly in verse 19, Therefore... Repent and turn back so that your sins would be wiped out and the seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that he may send Jesus who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. And he immediately takes him to a very true reality just like in chapter 2 where he gives his sermon at the end they're cut to the heart what do we do Peter and this time Peter doesn't necessarily ask the question or they don't ask him the question he tells them repent and turn from your sins we cannot separate the gospel from this word repent we live in a day and age where that would be just great to be able to have the gospel and do whatever we want as well But the Bible does not give us that option. Peter's words are still true today. When we hear the gospel message, we are called to repent and to turn away from our sin. So that, notice it's not bad here, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus who was appointed for you as the Messiah. And that's true of us today as well. That in Christ, there are seasons of refreshing. This idea of refreshing from our sin, refreshing from a broken world. There will be one day of restoration in Jesus. He's our Messiah, our Savior. I like how the kids' Bibles term it, the rescuer. It's this beautiful picture. And Peter draws 
the crowd's amazement over the physical healing, and he redirects it to the redeeming act of God through Jesus. I mean, notice how he did that. You see this man healed. It's amazing, yes, but it's not by our power. It's by Jesus. And then he takes him to the even greater thing. He talks about the gospel, and he talks about our what we must do, turn and repent. But then he also talks about we'll be redeemed and rescued and restored. It's the complete gospel. Healing, whether it is by miraculousness, a miraculous event or by science, it should point us to the awe of God. Don't notice. I think this is how it would apply to our lives today. So we see someone healed of cancer. Maybe it's miraculous. Maybe the doctors did nothing and they just wake up and the cancer is gone. We, we give God the glory. Maybe there's a person with cancer and the doctors use medicine and and radiation or whatever they have and it treats it and it heals that cancer. We still give God the glory for giving us the tools and the technology and the intelligence in which we could find these cures. So I don't think that science in any way takes away God's glory in the act of healing those who are sick. In fact, I would say doctors are to give the glory to God, and those of us who go to the doctors to get healing are to give God the glory. Use it as an opportunity to point people to the gospel. Peter does not waste this opportunity. He takes them straight to the gospel, just as Jesus told him to do and just as Jesus has told us to do, to be a witness. And that means even our signs and our wonders as is, is they may happen, happen so that we can draw people to the gospel. Peter teaches the crowd at the end of the chapter from the Old Testament prophets. And he says that Jesus came to bless them and to bless our world. This is the fulfillment of the promise of Abraham. And he actually makes that connection Be amazed today by the gospel and be in awe of Jesus and his love for us. I mean, let me let me end with what he said here. He's quoting Old Testament here. Verse 25, you are sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. And then Peter concludes, And God has raised up his servant, Jesus, and set him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. And the same is true today. And as we wrap up, we remember and we are in awe of the fact that God has sent Christ to us to live, to die, to be buried, to rise again so that we may turn and repent and run to him for the refreshing of our souls, the forgiveness of our sins. And he says, this is for us to be blessed so that we might turn away from our evil ways and run to life. So if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, take a moment today. Be in awe of the truth of the gospel. If you don't know Christ today, be in awe of the truth of the gospel that Jesus was sent to you to to love you and to die, to pay your penalty for sin so that you may be part of the family of God and to be this blessing of the, the sons of Abraham and to be spiritually put into that family. And it's a beautiful thing. 
and our story doesn't end there so this is kind of a to be continued moment because the rest of this story continues into chapter four and i'll see you there next time